The following is a production of the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network here at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, be sure to visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts. This is serious, 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 fun. Welcome to a new episode of Serious Fun. I am, as always, your host, Dr. Brian Carr. And this is one of my favorite times of the year. We, of course, did three live Serious Fun podcasts at the Brown County Library Comic Con. This was on October 6th, 2023. So if you're curious, that's where they were recorded. I don't know if you're keeping track of that stuff or what. But if it's context you needed, it's now context you have. So we did three of these shows, and you're going to be hearing them over the next few weeks. The first is going to be my interview with The Shakeups, a power pop band specializing in music from and inspired by cartoons. The second, which I'm sure a lot of folks have been waiting for, is R.L. Stein. He will be, uh, of course, the creator of Goosebumps, Fear Street, and many, many other novels that you probably remember quite fondly. And then rounding out our trilogy from the 2023 Brown County Library PopCon is Game Changers. I sit down with my colleagues and co-directors of the UWGB Center for Games and Interactive Media, Dr. Julie Case and Dr. Chris Williams, who talk about the video games that made us and the industry who we are. These were great shows. They were a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoy them. So let's go ahead and get started. It's The Shakeups. Live from the Brown County Library PopCon 2023, right here on Serious Fun. We're going to go ahead and get our show started now. Hello. 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 And welcome to another episode of Serious Fun, live once again from the 2023 Brown County Library PopCon. I am your host and crooked real estate developer in a Dracula mask, Brian Carr. For those of you unfamiliar with Serious Fun, uh, which I'm guessing is probably a lot of you, uh, so hopefully you'll be a little more familiar with it by the end of this. Uh, it, this Every episode of the show is a show on the Phoenix Studios Podcast Network from the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay, where I am also a professor. Uh, it is an exploration of pop culture from those who create, study, and consume it as we seek out the craft, meaning, and purpose of our favorite things. Today I have musical accompaniment, um, which is like kind of the closest thing I'm ever going to get to having like an actual like talk show, um, so that's cool. Uh, <laughs> they are an award-winning power pop music collective. Um, specializing in songs about and inspired by cartoons and pop culture. They played everywhere from the San Diego House of Blues to Gen Con. They're playing right here on this stage. I can look over there and I can see their gear uh, later on today at the Brown County Library PopCon, and you want to check that out. Don't miss that show. Uh, please welcome to Serious Fun and the Brown County Library PopCon, Patrick O'Connor and Savannah O'Connor of The Shakeups. Thank you. Hey. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Hi. And uh, for those of you listening at home, uh, I, just so we have can set the tableau, um, Patrick is dressed as Shaggy from Like, Scooby- hello! <laughs> and uh, Savannah is Velma. Jinkies. Yeah. And they got the voices down, too. Um, and actually, I was, I was talking to Andrew about this. I was confused because usually you're Fred and Daphne, but we switched it up today. We, sh- we shook it up, so to speak. Hey, gang! <laughs> 
So let's go ahead. We got a lot of stuff to cover. I want to start by, uh, and, and if you have questions, we will also have time for all of you to ask questions as well. But I always like to start off our interviews by asking you to tell us your story. What is the shakeup story? How did you all get together? And what inspired you? Gosh, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, well, it's been almost 20 years now. Back in um, 2005, the other guitar player, um, Ed, and I started The Shakeups. And at the time, we weren't a pop culture influence band, really. We were just a, an indie rock band, and we just got together and wanted to play music and were writing songs. And, um, you know, at the time, um, ever since I started writing songs, even back in the 90s, it was uncool to write about pop culture. So I would always kind of secretly fit in little you know, riffs and little um, influences there. Um, and through the, throughout the course of maybe the 2010s and on, it became cool all of a sudden to include pop culture or to do things related to pop culture in your art. And so... Oh, wait, I can become, tell them it's the become switching more, point. It's become more of a conversation back and forth, you know, mm -hmm. with, the, with the culture. But the weird way we became a pop culture band after being a regular indie rock pop band was... Um, the drummer and his wife used to run um, a My Little Pony fairing convention oh. for collectors. And uh, they, at the time, uh, Friendship is Magic had just come out, and all of a sudden they had a lot of um, women that wanted to bring children, and they needed children's entertainment. So I had come in to do some crafts and some other things, but she wanted music. Yeah. So what we had done was, hastily, the week before this event, we took Patrick's existing pop songs, his original songs, and we filked them. We basically didn't have time to learn the songs from the show, mm -hmm. so we changed lyrics to his existing songs to be about the show, which I thought was cute and I kind of liked because it's adorable. So uh, it, was, it was this hasty thing that we did. It was really fun and we dressed up and we did it. And then we got hired to play a bunch of birthday parties and then it just sort of snowballed from there. Conventions, other conventions, and it just... More and more, and, and, and we realized, hey, this is really fun. And, and everybody, weirdly, and I think you'll find this, people that are really into animation, a lot of times adult artists, and I, I don't mm -hmm. know, if you draw or you paint, chances are you probably also like animation. So almost everybody in the band really loves animation. And uh, I, I, who doesn't draw? Everybody yeah, I mean, draws. I started as a sketch artist before I played music. I, you, you I'm a painter. painter. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lee is a professional graphic artist. Yeah, and um, Steve's a photographer. Other, yeah, photographer, and the other guitarist is a writer yeah. and also an amateur artist. So, so, yeah. so we all love cartoons, and so then it just sort of was like, oh, but this is my favorite cartoon, and that's my favorite <laughs> cartoon, and it just sort of went from there. Yeah, well, I want to come back and talk about that a little bit because that is one of the things that's really interesting about this idea. So you, you, you refer to yourself as a collective. Right, and, and you reference a lot of the other folks who are also part of this group. Um, could you talk a little bit about what the uh, being a collective means? Uh, yeah, for for us, it's that we play in a lot of different permutations. Like there are six of us that are full-time members, but we don't always all play at the same time. We play in du as a duo. Sometimes we play with all six people plus a horn section. Sometimes we play with four of us, and so. We, we consider that more of a collective, you know. Mm -hmm. um, the so. joke is we can play without any of the members except Patrick. Okay. Patrick's the only one that has to be, I don't except, know that that's true. no, no, that's, that's, that's a lie. One time we, we sound checked one time without you and it was, it was a hilarious trash fire. Oh, I remember hearing of about joy that. and wonder. Because <laughs> Ed sang. 
Oh yeah, and Ed sang. Ed, Ed does not sing. <laughs> is, is he just not a good singer, or is just this, this is not an he's area? He's just that not he, a singer. He's just not a singer. I mean, he's definitely he plays by ear. He's definitely not yeah. tone deaf. Our okay. uh, our other guitarist Ed is kind of our secret weapon almost because he can play any. He instrument. can play almost anything, and I've known him for 20 years. And um, we'll be playing a song, and oh, I wish we had a violin for this song. Oh, I play the violin. <laughs> I wish we had a harmonica solo in this song. Oh, I play the harmonica. You know, and so he's just, uh, and then he came, well, we'll talk more about it later, sure. but he came up with this other um, sci-fi musical project where he had written, he'd written me one song throughout the course of 20 years and all of a sudden he had like an album's worth of songs that he just brought in one day. <laughs> so, well, I mean like the sci-fi concept it's album. It's always the quiet one. Yeah. <laughs> it's always the quiet one, exactly. Um, so obviously pop culture is a huge influence on what you do, everything from Scooby-Doo to Steven Universe and Voltron and random anime. Um, you had a really obscure choice, we'll talk about some of that stuff later. Yeah. Um, but uh, what are your musical influences, both within the cartoons and pop culture and outside of it? Um, I guess it goes back probably to Scooby-Doo because that theme song is just so iconic. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it was one of the first cartoon uh, music experiences I remember having. And my origin story of sorts is that in first grade, I remember getting in trouble because I was humming cartoon music in class. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that was kind of a precursor of things. It never, it never stopped. And it never stopped. I got in trouble that time. Are you, are you still humming it now? Like, it, it, did, you, did you have to kind of fight the urge to be humming? <laughs> <laughs> um, and Savannah, did you, are there any particular influences that you draw from? Um, well, I mean, how big are we going? We're just talking music. Yeah, we'll we'll start there. Oh, uh, I really love Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, sure. And so, <laughs> so and, the crowd. Yeah, yeah. So Weird Al, uh, a big deal for me. So when we started heading down, like it was kind of my idea to filk the first thing mm -hmm. that started mm -hmm. us down the road. Yeah. So that whole idea of doing parody music really makes me happy. And I've I've got a big pop culture. I used to be on a. Uh, a Council that ran a Star Trek convention okay. for years. I was the entertainment coordinator for a Star Trek convention. So like, big nerd, and I, I like that folk music stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I I liked that. Right. And and that that's really fun. But I mean, I've got musical interests as well that sort of influence me. I really like '90s girl rock and fun, fun yeah, in stuff terms like of that. Musical influences. I think it probably starts with. The Beatles, because what doesn't really? No. But I mean, that's kind of the seed of power pop, which is what we say that we play is power pop music. Um, and so, so pop music with guitars. With them, and then throughout the '70s, you had like Big Star and the Raspberries and mm -hmm. um, bands of that sort, and then it developed into new wave, and then into alternative. And so there have been lots of different names for it, but it's basically just like. Um, Fountains of Wayne, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Wayne. Weezer. Weezer. Uh, oh. They Might Be Giants are a huge one for me. Yeah, yeah there's uh, a very sna a specific snapshot of music nerd that you're, you're, you're referring to here. A very uh -huh. specific moment in time that yeah. I'm also mm -hmm. a part of. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Cake <laughs> um, and yep. all mm -hmm. of that. Also, I would say the seed for this idea of doing um, cartoon music, for me, came from this album from the late 90s that I really loved. It was by a producer named Ralph Saul, who put together all these big bands of the time doing cartoon themes, and it was called Saturday Morning's Greatest Hits. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, and Matthew, had, like, Matthew Sweet. Matthew Sweet was yeah. on it, Liz Fair, uh, Reverend Horton Heed. There's 
it was like a who's who of bands at the time. Mm -hmm. And they were all doing cartoon themes, and I thought, gosh, I would love to be in a band that just played things like that. I, I, and, and it took a while to happen, but that was kind of a little bit of the scene. And, and then there was something similar like that with the, um, with the Green Album, the Muppets Green Album that Weezer and a bunch of other bands got together and did all the Muppets songs. Same oh, thing. Oh, that's right, yeah. mm -hmm. Who's Who, maybe, maybe 10 years later. But the yeah. Who's Who of maybe early 2000s. Yeah. Indie, indie rock did a really amazing album called The Green Album that is, check it out, it's super cool. It's just a bunch of, bunch of alternative bands doing amazing versions of all of the Muppet songs, which just makes me gleeful. What's your favorite Muppet song? Oh my God, uh, definitely Gonzo's song, I would say. Okay. Gonna come back there would someday. Would you say It's Not Easy Being Green is a... Is a Muppet song? Yeah. I mean, Kermit sings it. Kermit yeah, sings it. Well, I know, but... I mean, you, gotta, you can't go wrong with Rainbow Connection, Rainbow though. Connection is probably the best song, yeah. My favorite's The Great Muppet Caper, so I always, I always gotta go with the songs from that. Oh, that's great. Because I just love The Great Muppet Caper that's a, so much. That's a deep cut. I yeah. like it. <laughs> I, I just... I just <laughs> oh, that's a good one, too. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm gonna... Uh, how many out there are musicians? We got some musicians in the audience. Okay, so I'm gonna throw uh, you guys something uh, that maybe you'll all ha appreciate. Um, what kind of gear are you using? I see some of the equipment set back up there. So if, you know, for, the, for the musicians in the audience, what oh, yeah. kind of stuff are you doing? This, oh, we have opinions. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm very much into Fender as a brand. Um, I play a Fender Strat most of the time, occasionally a Jazzmaster. Um, and actually, one thing I didn't mention. He has the same Fender Strat in four colors. I do. Because <laughs> that's a thing that you need. Uh, and I guess my main amp would be a Fender Twin, but it's such a beast to haul around that I have a vintage music man with me today, which okay. is much easier to transport than the Fender. And the Fender Twin would be way too loud for this room. Like, it would need to be like a, you know. We're talking like, like arena like almost half, at that Halfway point. to a stadium, yeah. <laughs> it's so loud. Like, you play it in a tiny club, and that's all you can hear. Um, but I was going to say, part of the reason I got into Fender was because I was big into instrumental surf music hmm. from the 60s. Yeah. Um, I actually met um, Dick Dale, who was like the king oh. of surf guitar. We, I did an interview with him over the phone, and then we met in person. And he, he died a few years ago. But His other band uh, opened like, for them. Oh, wow. Absolutely one of my biggest influences, and I got to meet him and talk to him and play shows with him, and it was just fantastic. And also the Ventures, if anybody knows them, they were real big in the 60s. And, I used to work at an oldies radio today. station, so the, I, yes, Ventures, yep, absolutely, yeah. I know so, all this stuff. So yeah, so I would say my influences mainly come half from power pop for songwriting and then mm -hmm. half from um, surfy type music for guitar playing, so. And you can definitely hear that when you, uh, and, and if you haven't heard the shakeups music, um, go to YouTube. They have a whole channel, and you could spend hours just digging through the stuff they've got. There's some really amazing videos, too, <laughs> including one I'm going to talk about here in just a second. Um, so you mentioned the Beatles, and, and one of the uh, uh, videos that stood out to me is um, the, the Hard Day's Night uh, riff you did um, for, uh, what was it? Uh, the song was Hey Hey, there we go. Yeah. Um, and in fact, so I want to have maybe start this larger question. I'm going to kind of like flex the academic part before I get back to the, the cartoon part of my brain. Um, in 2008, Lawrence Lessig writes this book called Remix. He lays out this case in which that our culture, we've shifted away from this read-only thing where it's like, okay, we're watching the Flintstones or watching Scooby-Doo, and we're just kind of, okay, when the show's over, we're done with it, going with our, with our lives. It's a read-only culture, right? Mm -hmm. He says that we've moved away from that. He says that we've moved away to a read-write culture where the, the pop culture, the media we consume, um, ends up being repurposed, recreated, and turned into something new. And in that, of course, he argues that copyright, maybe not as big a deal anymore. We'll talk some more about that later. Um, but, uh, you know, this idea that we use the culture we consume to in turn create new culture and creative endeavors and projects, I feel like that's a lot, like what you do is a great illustration of that concept. 
right? And uh, so when you, when you choose, because you, we kind of talk about this idea of like these, these, these recordings sort of being in concert with each other and talking to each other. Um, do you choose, when you cover songs or you make albums inspired by shows, um, is it the idea that I just like this and I want to do something with it? Or is it like, I like this and I want to add something to it. I want to kind of respond and comment to the discussion around them. Yeah, I mean, I think it's some of both, but definitely the, the latter. As I said, it seems almost like more of a conversation, like mm -hmm. you're um, taking in this media and then you're sort of espousing something else mm -hmm. to the culture. Well, that's part of fan culture. I For mean, sure. that's, that's just what fan groups do. I mean, you write fan fiction, you make fan art. It's just a it's a way of expressing your love for the thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I love the thing so much. Mm -hmm. I want to play in the world. Mm -hmm. And I think we've, I think we've done that for a long time. And it's, it's only seems more prevalent now because it's possible to see it. I think yeah. it probably always was a thing. I mean, the gals that, uh, sort of the elder generation of the Star Trek group that I, I worked with, they were doing art, mm -hmm. they were doing fan art and fanfic back, you know, back in the early 70s. Hey. And they were in, uh, you know, they were terrible, copied with a Xerox machine <laughs> zine-like things oh, yeah. that they were making. because one of those. Because it just wasn't, <laughs> the internet, there just wasn't an, a way to see it. But I think people have done that for a long time. And then also, um, I think we've, it doesn't have to be for money is mm -hmm. the other thing. Like the idea that you can just make a thing. We have day jobs. All of us have day jobs. We do this because we love it. We do this to spend time with each other and, and be excited about the things we're excited about and, mm -hmm. and find joy in life. And that's legitimate. And, and I think, you know, and, and that idea too, like uh, if, if those of you are interested, like where does fandom and fan culture and fan art and all that stuff, read about the history of women in the Star Trek fandom. It is not a, a stretch to say that women basically made Star Trek what it was. Um, yeah, and so, you know, if you're, if you're a Trek fan, you got the, those ladies to thank. So I'm glad you For gave them a shout Lucille Ball out. on. Yeah, Lucille Ball was a... <laughs> she you know, had the show made originally. Yeah, and she was also had a lot of money in it. So yeah, she was going to make sure that thing got made. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... Star Trek kind of created fan Absolutely. culture as yeah. it exists yeah. and the idea of a, of a fan convention mm -hmm. and I just... Yeah, and you know the, that's that's where you know that that idea of like writing your own stories uh, with Kirk and Spock and Bones and everybody, um, you know, we just keep expanding on that to the point where you know we, now we have things where it's like okay, we're going to make a server in a in a you know role playing game where we all play our characters and we, you know, there's all kinds of ways to kind of interact with that on a different level now. We have to have a multiverse so we can reset yes. everything because yes. no one can keep track of every <laughs> bit of continuity that's happened. You know, <laughs> we, we're going to start out multiverses. We're going to be here all day, and there's probably a universe. Where we did, yeah, and sure we are. <laughs> so, what do you hope to add to the songs that you cover? Um, it, it varies on the song. I mean, sometimes we just um, sometimes it'll be a song that a lot of people have covered, and I'll be thinking, well, I want to get sort of the kernel of the best bit of each of these, and mm -hmm. so I'm going to come. Video killed the radio star is one we play a lot, where there have been a lot, a lot of different covers of that song, mm -hmm. and so the idea was to sort of condense it down to all of our favorite parts, the different. Band, other artists have played. And so that's one way of doing it. So trying to get it as close as possible to the original is another way because you think it's so perfect the way it is and we mm -hmm. just want to play it because it's fun. Yeah. So that's another possibility. And then finally there's the idea of, well, we're going to do something completely different with it because it's going to just be so different. It's going to blow people's minds and they're going to be confused or amused or entertained. And a good example of that would be Star vs. the Forces of Evil. 
where there's this super sprightly up-tempo song and we turned it into like this, it was almost like a slow ballad Sort of song. sounds like wave of mutilation for no reason. <laughs> you, you don't know what it is until the vocals come in and they're like, oh, but, this is really different. I mean, you're, I think you're putting intentionality where intentionality often isn't. Sure. There's an organic process involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I think, I think you had said something about being curious as to how the arrangements Oh yeah, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that about. in a second. And yeah. I think, I think when it's not intentional, I can explain to you yeah. how it organically occurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I definitely want to talk about that. And uh, a thing that I also thought was interesting um, and kind of speaks to that sort of idea of the remix culture we're talking about is the video for, that you made for Video Killed the Radio Star is literally, it's, it's video taken from old anime and video right. games and cartoons and sort of like synced up to the audio. And yeah. it reminded me a lot. And if you're old enough, you probably know what the anime music video phenomenon was where you would take, where people would take this and stuff and these, at the time, obscure cartoons like Dragon Ball uh-huh. um, and then sync them up to uh, different songs. And and, I, and as, a, as a child of the 90s, as I'm sure you, all, you both are as mm-hmm. well, I'm just like, I'm getting these like flashbacks to the early days where you would like download these things over dial-up and just see oh, yeah. what kind of creative spin people put on this stuff. That's exactly what maybe 60% of our videos on right. YouTube are, yeah. are just, uh, for me, that I, goes I'm not going to say Patrick um, had his office job between yeah. things, uh, cutting together cartoon I videos. I probably cut together about 300 <laughs> cartoon videos at work, yeah. <laughs> and they're really, no, yeah, they're really good. You pick some interesting clips, like the, uh, there's, there's a song in there called, it's a perfect date, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't spoil who the perfect date is, but some of the clips you got from that particular show <laughs> are very funny out of context. Oh my <laughs> God, I designed a, a really wonderful live action video that we've never got around to doing, yeah. in which... Luisana was actually going to be that, that character, yeah. that you know, being chased around by that character, and it was going to be magnificent. <laughs> that was funny. But, yeah. Uh, something occurred to me too while you were talking about the early '90s. Um, Matthew Sweet had an album called Girlfriend out, and a couple of the music videos for that had anime in them. Mm-hmm. And I had never seen anime on MTV before at that point. And right. I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. And it was Space Adventure Cobra was one of them, and it, he did another one with Lum. It was called. Mm-hmm. Um, and those just, I knew anime before that, but seeing those in the musical context really made me think, wow. And we actually watched one of his little interview sessions one time where you could send in questions, and I asked oh him what anime he was Oh my God, it was like listening was to my days. husband. It was so <laughs> weird. It was like, oh, wow. It was eerie. And that is interesting because I think that you could argue, um, because at the time those videos would have come out, anime, it, it, it's, it's hard to believe now that uh, it's everywhere. Anime was not super well known, right? No, not at it all. Was, and not, not in America, obviously. No. Um, it was and, hard to find. Oh yeah. my God, the days before Crunchyroll, you have no idea. Yeah, like, you, yeah, like okay, so for the, for the kids out there who can just go on Crunchyroll or Hulu and watch whatever you want. You used um, to find them on VHS tapes I used to do and they were like trading, two yeah. episodes Tape trading on from conventions, you, yeah. would, you could yeah. buy or terrible. trade VHS tapes of something that somebody had copied over and over and over again. You could barely see it. It, maybe it didn't even have subtitles. Yeah. But you would sit there and watch it because that was the only place you could find it. Oh, we used to have Japanese-only ones, and mm-hmm. then people would sell them to you with a like a typewriter a typed out of what happens. script yes. of yeah. badly, and you would just watch it. And heaven forbid you get off a line because mm-hmm. then you you know like here's the script, but if you get off a little bit, then you're 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 on the wrong page. Mm-hmm. 
you're just kind of <laughs> trying to follow along, get and, a and Japanese dictionary, you don't know what's early, happening. Um, early <laughs> anime, especially in the sort of late 70s and early 80s, was a situation where a lot of Amer American companies would take a show and hack it up and turn it into something else to make uh -huh. it more marketable. Um, and one of those is Voltron, was one of the first ones. I don't know if anybody knows Voltron. Yeah, Voltron but, um, fans out there? Yeah. We actually okay. help run a, the only all Voltron convention, which takes place in Indianapolis annually, and it's actually happening next weekend. It's called VoltCon, and it's our fifth year, and it's uh, sponsored by the company that owns the property and all that. So, um, but yeah, Voltron would be one of those for me, is um, one of the early anime that came over here in a different form from the original. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, uh, yeah, it's it's very interesting just kind of how culturally that has changed. Um, you know, because even in like video games, like you have a lot of games that were brought over to America that were very much clearly based on anime properties, yeah. um, but then they just like renamed them or changed like yes. certain parts. Like there was a game called Dragon Power on the NES that was very much a Dragon Ball Z game. There's been a uh, or, paradigm or, sorry, Dragon shift. Ball game. Yeah. There's been a big paradigm shift back in the, the late seventies, early eighties. It was, was thought else that too. that mm -hmm. sort of animation was like things that came from those countries were cheap and you didn't want people to know they were from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and over the past 20 years, it's become very cool mm -hmm. to, for it to be from Japan. And so they, they, yeah, they highlight the differences instead of trying to hide them. So that's, a, I think, a really great thing about it. Yeah, so I wasn't planning to talk about anime this much, but it, it, it's one of those. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's good. It's one of those happy accidents. It's, it's, it's always, it's, it's, this is all, I think, because I think it's all just like, a, it's connected in these different ways, right? Like everything that we're talking about here is that kind of like do-it-yourself sort of uh, culture where you are taking these things like, I think this is cool. I want to talk about like, you know, Scooby-Doo or uh, Voltron. And I think that's awesome. I think other people also like that. Now we're going to create something new based on that. I think that's really, really cool. Um, so what I'm about to ask is extremely dangerous. I can be very, very clear on that because I don't actually understand how music works. I think it is basically sorcery and you all are wizards. But let's get technical for a second and talk about arrangement because this is the thing you alluded to. So let's have this conversation. Sure. So let's say you take a song and I'm just going to pick one at random out of, you know, that has nothing to do with my own personal fandoms or obsessions since I was a kid. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme. Uh -huh. How do you adapt something like that to fit a six piece band? Okay, I'll talk about that because he gets to talk about composition. Um, um, so, I was saying earlier when you were asking how covers get from point A to point B. Mm -hmm. It's sort of also like if you do art, say you look at something and you want to paint it, and you don't say, I want to paint it in my style. Mm -hmm. You just paint it, and it comes out through the lens of you yes. looking like something else. Well arrangement ends up being like that. Mm -hmm. So rock bands are really different than um, say formal classical music would be. There's no sheet music. There's no person that makes the arrangement. Um, everybody has their own instruments and everybody's responsible for writing their own parts. There's a song. He gives us a song. It's usually an acoustic guitar. Sometimes he adds other things and, and we can pull from those other things. Like if he records more than one guitar track, we might pull out that. But for the most part, the instruments are just left, here's the song, and you put what you do into mm -hmm. it. In the case of a cover, it's find a key line. Mm -hmm. So if it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, what do I have? I have a bunch of horns, a ludicrous <laughs> amount of horns. And there's maybe four or five different horn lines going at once. Mm -hmm. And then I'm responsible for picking those out by ear and writing them down and deciding which ones I'm going to play. And then 
playing that for usually Ed. Uh, mm -hmm. Ed is the second guitarist. And so he and I are usually the people who might step on each other. Because if he's going to play a lead line, I might play a lead line. We can't both play a lead line at the same time. So I'm like, oh, are you going to play that on the guitar? Because if you're not, then I'm going to play it on the Although keys. Although sometimes we do have you both play the same line. Sometimes we'll play the same line. So then he and I have to sort of approach. negotiate uh, who's going to play what. And then we talk to Patrick and, oh, are you going to play a lead? Or are you going to play a rhythm? And so then we just take the parts that are available and we split them up between us and decide which thing sounds better. And this is kind of organic. And we sit there and we do it. And then same thing with the bass. The bass just kind of has to figure yeah. figure out what the bass line is and then play it with us and see if that sounds right. And that's kind of how it happens. Mm -hmm. um, so and sometimes, sometimes the first time we play a song, it sounds really great. And mm -hmm. we're like, wow, everybody found a part that really works together. And other times we have to fiddle with it for months at a time, you know? You can't, <laughs> so, I mean, but to get it to that point. once in a while you can go online and, and somebody will have figured it out and mm -hmm. you can listen to what they did or what they wrote down, but not reliably. Rock mm -hmm. music for the most part is a process of right. listen to it, pick it out, sit there, fiddle with it, and then write it down and that's what you got. And then it comes out on the other side like it's all sounding like something else because it's passed through this weird process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to me, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is one of the closest ones to the original for right. us. I mean, it, does, it is very close, but it's still unique. Yeah, well, yeah. But, uh, that's the point, though, is like that would be one that I would say, this is such a great song, let's just play that song sort of mm -hmm. in our style. So that was one where it was all, it, it, it's really all played on the on key, uh, keyboards. Mm -hmm. So it, it was that process of like, here's the key lines, there's four different key lines, who wants to play this key line on the bass and who wants to play that mm -hmm. key line on the guitar and and then I'll just play this part. So that's how it worked. That's interesting and, and I was also, because I was curious like, okay, so I'm listening, you listen to this, okay, there's a lot of horns, there's a lot of these things and so like that was my question is like, do you like say, okay, now the guitar should probably handle this part? Or, like, yeah. So that, 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 that answered and my question. Regis yeah. And register usually decides it. Yeah. So right. in that particular song, if I recall, there's something like a synth bass mm -hmm. and so obviously the bass played that mm -hmm. and there were a bunch of horns and so we just split them up by register. The keys tend to cut through better if they're higher so I'll usually take the highest one and then and rhythm guitar will take the middle and another part of it is mechanical because usually it's either myself or our other other vocalist Luisana doing the singing and so we'll play a part that we can play while we're singing usually is what, mm -hmm. how we'll try to do that unless it's a song we're not planning on playing live in which case it's a free-for-all and anybody can play whatever they want yeah <laughs> Speaking of the whole, uh, uh, when we talked about the collective thing, Luisana also plays the bass, and Lee, who plays the bass, also plays the drums. Mm -hmm. So that's another so switch, we do around. switch around. On so there's yeah. also the who can play that bass line between the two bass players. Sure. Also, Ed plays the bass. So if it if it, it called bass. upon, <laughs> so sometimes uh, the complexity of the bass line decides who plays it on bass. For example. Oh, okay. So, so that's so that's really interesting. So, I, I guess my next question is: uh, Do people ever come to you, come up to you with requests, or they try to stump you because? Oh, uh, yes. and, and can I? <laughs> sure. Oh, oh yeah. Please. Okay. Uh, Ducktales. We've working been working on it. On it. Okay. <laughs> so I was going to ask because we love I, that one. You've done so. Well, it, yeah, it's like do do do. There's a lot of really cool instrumental. Mm -hmm. um, 
Uh, and I was going to say, you know, if, if Disney's lawyers say no, <laughs> um, Inspector Gadget would be my backup. Absolutely. Yeah. I love Inspector yeah, no, Gadget. We, Me too. I, I, I already can play that one, actually. Uh, awesome. Chippendale's Rescue Rangers oh, yeah, yeah. is also on the dance card. Let's see. Some other, some other Gummy covers. Gummy Bears. Though. Gummy Bears is oh. one of the ones that we want to learn. I really, that's, that's one that I, I voted for. So... Yeah, we, we did over the over the uh, pandemic. We did a uh, no. Over the pandemic, we, we did a uh, compilation of different weird. cartoon themes as well. Yeah, we did record the. Yeah. We recorded some of our cartoon themes. Awesome. So we'll be working on a volume two at some point. Fantastic. I'm looking forward to hearing it, and because uh, I just I, I just want to hear you guys play Ducktales. And, <laughs> and and there is a whole thing where it's like it's my turn. I want my cartoon song. Like well, there's very much that. So I was actually going to ask about that. Like when when you are whether it's your originals or you're working on these covers, is it just thing where it's like because you all have your own fandoms right and we've uh-huh. kind of learned a bit about yours we'll talk some more about those in a minute yeah. but do you just is, is it just like that where it's like hey i want to do um I'm, I'm drawing a blank on cartoon theme songs yeah. but but yeah like yes. okay i want to do ducktales <laughs> yeah so we'll, have, a, we'll have sort of a list and we'll kind of tackle them in order or, and there's very much a or it's if there's my a particular turn. one for a particular <laughs> event like obviously dressing as scooby-doo we would definitely want to play the scooby-doo theme when yep. we came here so we would make sure we knew how to play that you know what oh, i mean oh <laughs> and i will i'll say because you'll find this amusing uh so like for example lee got really obsessed with uh who's our bass player uh, slash drummer sometimes um he got Steven obsessed Universe. with Steven Universe at one sure. point, and he said, "Come over to my house. We're all gonna you're, like you're gonna watch this." Patrick's mm-hmm. like, "I don't like the animation style. I don't want to." And so he dragged us. He wa- we watched like ten episodes, and you know we ended up doing an album about mm-hmm. it. And that was. And then later he didn't get to pick for a while, and he kept saying like, "It's my turn." It's like, "You got a whole album, Lee. Shut up." <laughs> and there and, is there's a whole Steven Universe album Steven, out there. And yeah. then and then also um, when Meddling Kids came out, which is probably my favorite and is the most democratic of our albums mm-hmm. and and really fun for all of us. Um, you mean there's a lot of variety? There's a lot of variety, yeah. and and everybody got more input. And I think Lou co-wrote two of the songs and. Like we we just did more as far as it was okay. You get to pick content for this one, and you pick content for that one. Everybody mm-hmm. got to pick something, and that was because the year before, Patrick had done the um, uh, the. Voltron, Voltron one. Yeah. And so basically we were still finishing up the previous one and he's like, oh, I got these all days for this Voltron one. It's just going to be a quick little EP. And then he went crazy and wrote a whole album. That's our joke is every project is an EP oh, every of like four an songs. EP, and and by Patrick, the time we learn those Patrick four songs, there's we'll 12 the songs. Four songs. And he's written like <laughs> six more songs. And at, at some point we were like, there's not enough time. We, we don't have time. We so, can't uh, learn them all. And he ended up playing a lot of our parts and it for us. I think at on one the, point we wrote and recorded mine. and released like three different albums yeah, in like it a was, 13 it was month stupid. period. It was and so for fast. the next one we're like, okay, it can't be a Patrick on Patrick on Patrick album, Patrick. <laughs> like the rest of us get to vote on what, what goes in and what we, and so he we slowed down in on meddling kids. Everybody got to pick, you know, their favorite cartoons and got a song. We for just their tried to have a good variety, and, yeah. Well, and that's why there's more of a blend. One of the problems we ran into songwriting-wise um, with the stuff before that, doing My Little Pony with the show at the same time coming out, we would try to get a song that was kind of current with what was happening on the show. And by the time it came out, it would be kind of. Weird Al so, would always talk about that, about mm-hmm. how he'd write his parodies and then his, he wouldn't be able to get them out soon enough. Right. And That's so, why he stopped doing albums, right? Like, he doesn't do, like, actual physical album yeah, releases anymore. It, it mm. frustrates him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious. You look so young. <laughs> it's very kind of you. 
It's very kind of you to lie. Yeah. You know, I, I think... I think, you know, we're far away from each other. When you, <laughs> when you get up closer to me, you'll, you'll we realize. We stay really active. <laughs> we're older than you think we are, I think. Mostly me. <laughs> um, so I, I just want to talk real quickly, because I find this topic fascinating, given you know, I, the, the work I do and the things I teach. Um, copyright and licensing. Uh, this is something you've mentioned in some other interviews, and I thought it was interesting. Um, you work closely with the rights holders in a lot of uh, instances. Obviously, Sometimes. you work pretty closely with the folks from Voltron. Mm -hmm. um, who owns Voltron, actually? I'm, just, I'm curious. Uh, it's World Events Productions. Yeah, okay. WEP. W-E-P. Okay. Uh, they're the IP holder. Um, and in some cases, you even like you license the songs out. So I'm, I'm just curious if you want to talk about that process, because I'm, I'm thinking, like, okay, Ninja Turtles, we know who did that one, mm -hmm. right? Chuck yeah. Lore, he's like the, the, one of the biggest guys in Hollywood now. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's just hard to track these things down. Does it that is. have an influence on, how, on what ones you decide to do? Uh, there, yeah. Uh, well, there are um, sites like Easy Song Licensing is one that we've used before, where you can look up, you can have them look up who did a song if you don't know for sure. So there's uh, a usually third, a little a research party, online you can find out who wrote it. something. Okay. Um, but yeah, so what we do is usually just request a mechanical license, which is. Uh, just gives you the right to do your version of mm -hmm. it. Um, and then, it, you know, it's limited to like this many downloads or this many physical copies of, of the song. Um, and sometimes we'll just be playing it live and not uh, even release it as a recording, in mm -hmm. which case we maybe fudge it a little bit. Because in most cases, the, what we found is that the companies say, you're gr good brand representatives, so we like you actually doing content based on our properties which we haven't had that happen with Disney, so we'll see what happens yeah. with Disney. But However, <laughs> I we, wish but, uh, it did happen with no, My Little we, Pony and it did happen with We Voltrons. do know it. There is a similar band. They're called the Little Mermen. Mm -hmm. uh, they are a band like us and they do Disney songs and they do Disney cover songs and they actually were similarly blessed by Disney with, oh. with dispensation and, um, and, and they get to continue to, to function. So, so sometimes the brands As the are, mouse wills it, yeah. As the mouse wills it. Uh, so, you know, uh, one of the lucky things for us, too, is since we do a variety of different cartoons, if we ever did get like a season desist letter from someone, we would just stop playing that particular right. song and we would still be able to carry on. You know, it's not like we're doing all one back thing, to the so. other thing, too. We don't make a lot of money on right, it and we right. don't try to. And and if the year is coming out too sunny, honestly, we'll do a charity event. Mm -hmm. and, and like we, we're not in it for that. Mm -hmm. We're in it to have fun. We don't want to get sued. Yeah. And I think part of us not getting sued is that we're not we're not trying to make mm -hmm. money off of their property and they recognize that. And, and we're trying to maintain sort of the feel or spirit of the original property as well. We're not trying yeah. to do something Something seedy or something or whatever, that's you know? going to yeah. so damage the brand. It's right. very very wholesome, I would say, is, is part of the shake-ups aesthetic, if that's fair to say. Like, it's, 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 it's something for everybody. You don't have to worry about you guys, you know, smutting up a song. <laughs> <laughs> we try not to. Try not. Uh, but but that's, that's kind of... I mean, I don't know that that's a great answer, but... No, it's, it's an interesting one because it's... No one's canons have been fixed against us right. yet. And, yeah. and, and hopefully that continues because uh, you know, they're, they're neat. Like, these covers are really good. I want to be very clear on that. Oh, like, you. Um, you know, you, you listen to it, it's like, okay, yes, I've heard this song before, but here's a very interesting take on it. And mm -hmm. um, I'm thinking about the Teen Titans one right now. Oh, yeah. Um, because a lot of folks might not know, that song actually goes on way longer than you think it does. Oh, yeah, it does. And yeah. you, you did the whole thing. Uh -huh. And I'm, I'm watching this and listening, like, Oh, that's right. There are like another two minutes of lyrics to this thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you even did. The rest did... of the song is great. Yeah. A lot of themes are that way. Like some songs are just 30 seconds and right. they're done, but they're, a lot of them go on three, four minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
and he even did like the little, little shout outs kind of puff, hi, uh, hi, hi, Puffy Amiyumi. Um, yeah. And uh, you know, sometimes Louis and I just do it together, right, yeah. so that it's only it's just hi hi, yeah. <laughs> right. So I, so I thought that was really cool. Um, but but yeah, the short answer for that was mechanical license. You yeah. can usually get one for like thirty bucks, oh. and that gives you the ability to release a and song. Y- you and, don't you, and basically, need them for they handle the rights mm-hmm. issues as far as. Um, percentages that go back to the original author, right? And such. Yeah, and, and the parody thing is important because I, I mean, copyright law is kind of like a little nerd thing for me. Yeah, parody um, is more complicated. Yeah, yeah. but but usually you you're n- you don't have to necessarily get pre-approval at least. Yes, you're right. pretty safe with parodies yeah. generally. Just Weird Al does because he's just a sweetheart. He's just right. a sweetheart. He doesn't have to. It's compulsory. It's, yeah, yeah. He but, feels like doing it. And but he wants sweet. their blessing yeah. before he does it. Yeah. But and, but if worse comes to worse. Except for that one time with Snoop Dogg. Yeah. <laughs> but oh. but yeah, so you don't need it for that, and we don't have any trouble either with our original music mm-hmm. that is based on right. content. Right. So let's talk about those original songs for a second. Thank sure. you for the the perfect segue. Um, <laughs> the, the songs, the original songs are are they're they're really catchy, and um, you you mentioned some of those references or those those uh, influences like Weezer and mm-hmm. like kind of the. Uh, I don't know if you call them like the, the shoegaze of the early 90s or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with that. Power um, pop, maybe. Yeah, power pop, yeah. Like that, you can definitely feel that in here because it's so... The thing that becomes apparent as you listen is that these songs are obviously about cartoons and pop culture and heavily influenced by it. Mm-hmm. But they're also like kind of about and for the people that, that uh, uh, enjoy this stuff. Um, you know, these things they think and feel like not fitting in mm-hmm. or wanting a robot arm. <laughs> like, there's literally just a song about having a robot arm. Um, Whether or not you would use it for good or for evil. I mean, that's, that's a game day decision you? for me. You know, like, is, how, I'm going to wake up in the morning. Is it good or evil today with the robot arm? But um, do you, so I, I think, like, do you start with that kind of like feeling sometimes where it's like, I, I want to talk about this or th- I have this particular feeling and then kind of write a song about that? Or wh- how do you go from well, there? Before he gets into the actual songwriting, I'll say some of that stuff comes from long trips in the car mm-hmm. late at night and random conversations that get had. Like, I'm pretty sure that the Jetsons versus Flintstones, I'm a, like I said, I'm a big, yes. Yeah, so there's the Jetsons so versus we'll Flintstones today, song yes. we'll be playing nice. today. So that was, uh, there's a Star Trek episode called Cloudminders, mm-hmm. which is really, it's also the same plot as H.G. Wells' Time Machine as mm-hmm. far as having uh, a particularly sophisticated race uh, that's oppressing a uh, a subterranean race and mm-hmm. them going to war with each other and it being a class war sort of thing. So we had this random discussion in the car one night about if the Flintstones and the Jetsons were occurring at the same time I mean, and it was theory, a cloudminder yeah. sort of situation where actually, you know, the uh, the Flintstones are the oppressed underclass that are doing this mining work, work yeah. for uh, for the, the Jetsons sort of society and they're unaware <laughs> of it and mm-hmm. somehow they interact with each other and then uh, a class where like ensues so that's that discussion happened at 3 a.m driving home from gosh so then there's where. a revolution where the flintstones rise up yeah you know and and so that's how this is, that the song, song is like started. a minute and a half long. and then patrick patrick will just take it it'll be like okay great he can just he writes songs so quickly so we'll we'll say some joke thing like that and then uh, the next day there's a song nice so let's talk about then uh, the, uh, the, the songwriting process and the yeah. composition of it. Um, so uh, 
how, how does that work? <laughs> uh, you know, there's a variety of ways that my, I guess my general process would be I start with like a, a chord progression and a melody. Mm -hmm. um, so it usually starts that way. Occasionally I'll have a specific idea. I want to write a song about this and I have this like tagline or something, you know, like a quote from the thing or paraphrasing or, you know, something that you hear over and over again from from the show, you know, that mm -hmm. I want to write a song about. But usually it starts with a chord progression and a bit of a melody and maybe like one line of something and it just kind of develops. I, I kind of consider it like putting a puzzle together almost. Like you're just looking for the different puzzle pieces that fit together. And so you'll try a couple different things and eventually you find the one that works. Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes I'll write a song in five minutes and sometimes it takes five years depending on <laughs> what it is. Um, but one, one of my favorite ones of this, uh, an example of this is um, Ed when he was doing his sci-fi podcast, he said, can you write a song about, you know, this thing that's happening here where this guy wants to smash the robot head because the police are looking for it or something. <laughs> and, I, and he told me that at like 11 a.m. on a work day, I went home over lunch, I came up with something, I recorded it on my phone and sent it to him at like two, two o'clock. And he said, you had to have already had that song written, right? And I was like, no, I just wrote it. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, so it's that kind of situation, you know. And it, then it the rest vary, of us, though, depending on the property. Uh, and then the rest of us doodle in the margins, mm -hmm. as it were. So that's what that's where the rest of the instrumentation comes in. He writes the song, and then the rest of us doodle in the margins of what he's written because you know we need to like, oh, I think there could be some texture here, or I think this is mm -hmm. empty here and needs needs a little right. a little riff or whatever. Uh, earlier so. in the band's history, I would pretty much just do like an acoustic demo and send it out to people. But over the past, I'd say eight or nine years, I've started doing more detailed demos where I program drums and I add bass and I add vocals and I add guitars, like all the different parts are there pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I send those out and then people just replace those parts with their own parts. And so we've basically started recording before they've ever even heard the song. And then we just kind of, you know, fit everybody's input in there. <laughs> so you've obviously done a lot of different stuff and you know you can go to their youtube channel and check it out there's also conveniently enough cds and and, and merch out in yes, the, in right the, in the front. if you yeah, still right know what those things are yes so for the <laughs> kids in the posters. audience cds were things where you would put music on them and they were physical things you'd put into a, a, a disc drive and it would play a limited selection of songs not hundreds of them not thousands but like 12 <laughs> and you would just listen to them in a specific given order. I know it was weird. Like we're talking about the Flintstones. They're like, so what else happened? Was this like the dinosaurs bring this to you? Like what was, what was going on? Um, so you put out many albums, most notably Meddling Kids uh, is, of course, uh, I'd say probably the flagship. Is that fair to say? Or Okay. okay. Um, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a good one. Like Thanks. Meddling Kids itself is a great song. Um, lots of music videos, covers, many albums, uh, even the audio fiction series that you mentioned or alluded to, Ignore City, with, uh, which was written by one of your collective members uh -huh. and, of course, has music from the band. There is no shortage of shakeups material. So I want to kind of like talk about a couple things here. First sure. off, and this is going to be a, maybe a, a tough question, but it was on the sheet, so hopefully <laughs> you had some time to think about it. Um, is there a clear line, like is there like a grand unifying theory of the shakeups, like a thing that if you had to kind of like say, you know, to kind of tie all the stuff together, elevator pitch, what is the shakeups about? Like how, how does, like what ties all these disparate things together? You want to take this one? No, <laughs> you're the one who writes, you, what is that cute uh, stuff I mean, you write it, on the website? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty much just we want to do 
fan music about the properties we love. Um, we want to feel like kids again, you know, basically creating this thing that we would have loved ourselves when we were kids. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's kind of, we kind of keep that inner child and just kind of bring it out when we're playing, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and our music has changed a lot over the years. I mean, it's been almost 20 years, but um, I think we still have that sort of kernel of we want to do catchy songs with lots of harmonies that people can sing along to. Um, and we just want to have fun. I mean, the world is a pretty dour place a lot of the time, mm -hmm. and we just want to, we just want to feel happy and make other people happy and just enjoy this thing that we do, mm -hmm. this music that we make. And you can definitely see that. If, uh, for those of you listening at home later, they actually brought light-up balloons and were encouraging people to bat them around. <laughs> I, I don't know where they went. Hopefully they're still out there. There's one. There you go. Let's get that going again. Um, so is there a, a thing that you're proudest of, of all the work you've done? Like, this is the thing where it's like, I'm really proud. I'm really glad we made this. Well, let's see. Um, for me, let's see. Well, meddling kids we've talked about. Which I like that one because there's so much variety on it and there's different types of songs. And it's mm -hmm. just, even though I wrote a lot of it, it doesn't sound like it's all one writer. It sounds like it's a variety, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that kind of goes back to the They Might Be Giants influence because mm -hmm. their albums are very much like that, just kind of freewheeling and one song is completely different from the next. So I like that. Um, from a writing perspective, I think Legendary Defenders might be one of my favorites because I... You know, we had done My Little Pony, which I enjoyed that show and wrote a lot of songs about that. And we did Steven Universe, which I really enjoyed. Um, but that one was the one that I was a fan of as a child, you know. And mm -hmm. so I had a lot of personal things I wanted to write about that one, in, you know, specifically. So that one, I think, was a high point for me. Uh, I, I really like Ignore City. Mm -hmm. um, Ignore City is a rock fiction musical that uh, Ed and Lee, that are in the band, uh, are comic book writers in their free time too. They have a, they have a wonderful all ages comic um, uh, that is on Omni Press. Um, the, the, they're re-releasing it too in color, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so they, they write a, a wonderful all ages comic that's really excellent um, called Little Guardians. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic little fantasy comic and it's great and Lee draws it and Ed writes it. So they're, they're comic writers um, and and uh, Ed's written several small novels and, and done a bunch of other writing work. And he wrote this, uh, somebody said it's sort of like Futurama and Terminator, Terminator <laughs> but a musical. It's really fantastic. And basically, it starts with Patrick as a disembodied robot head, I find, in a junk heap singing to mm -hmm. himself. And it kind of just goes from there. Um, I really like that one because... I, I mean, I get to voice and the main the character. Voice acting, yeah. So it gives so, us something new to do that so we, we haven't done we get a lot to do, of before. Yeah. We get to do that. And so we got to be all of the characters and got to be really involved in that. We won some awards. Um, that was really great. We got best song. Patrick and I got nominated at New Jersey Web Fest for oh, best for, chemistry. Best chemistry. Between, it's kind of cheating, it's wasn't it? Cheating. I was going to say, I, 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 you'd hope you have a leg up on that one. Yeah, right? <laughs> Being married and whatnot. But. <laughs> yeah. but somebody else had a more positive view of it. They're all like, hey, but you've been married for like 10 years, so, you know. It's good to have that It's good chemistry. that you don't <laughs> yeah, sound yeah, like want that. Yeah. you're strangers. Yeah, definitely. So anyway, I really like that. I, it's a it's where most po anywhere you can find podcasts you can listen to that wonderful dorky thing and <laughs> ignore city ignore again, city you didn't catch it yep um so what's up next for the shakeups like what what are you working on now what are you excited about well let's see we've got well first of all we're doing more ignore city we've got 
two quote-unquote seasons and a soundtrack album, but we're going to be doing more of that. Ed is writing it, and we're going to work on the music, so that's sort of coming up probably late next year. Mm-hmm. Um, we all are also working on the follow-up album to Meddling Kids, which is going to be another... It's going to be basically the Flintstones and the Jetsons as our theme properties, so... We, have, we don't have the title yet, but we've got all the songs written, and we're kind of working on that. And Fourth grade probably, me is very excited. <laughs> it's it's yeah. about 75% of the way done, so you'll probably see that sometime next year Though as well. Also, Patrick and I are in two other bands, yeah. so we've also got stuff going on with those bands. Right, um, so one of them so. just released its second album. That's the Resounding Maybes. Yeah, Resounding Maybes is our uh, completely opposite from the shakeups, sort of uh, cure, mm-hmm. goth, pop. Mm-hmm esque thing that we do that's you know yeah, so where we, we put the sad songs I guess so they're still catchy melodic songs <laughs> this is where we, we put the happy songs right and exactly that's where we so put we, the I had a, this crop of songs that just wouldn't fit in at all with what we do and so I thought well let's just do a band the same you know most of the same people but doing whatever the shakeups would do we're gonna do the opposite you know and I was a little goth girl in school so theater kid I'm developing a theory in my head and you can tell me if you think this is correct or not I think if you scratch any sort of bright cheery cartoon fan you'll find a bit of a goth. And I think if you scratch any goth, you find a bright, cheery cartoon fan. Agreed, absolutely. Because, again, (laughs) animation fans are usually artists, and artists usually have that full range of of all the things going on. The other project, main project, that we're really excited about right now is a Star Wars-themed um, it, it's really the shakeups, but we're playing as the three POs. Nice. Yeah, it's, and uh, it's a that Star will be Wars out. Party band. We don't have anything out yet, but <laughs> yeah. it will be out around New Year's, as we're going to release the first things. But this is in contrast to what we do, because um, I should say the shakeups aren't a parody band. No. Like we write songs that are just celebrating a particular property or, or episode. Um, a lot of phantom bands um, are more comedy bands where they sort of. The, the verses, the setup, and the choruses, the punchline, and they're like joke songs, you know? Right. But that's what this is going to be. It's more of a, a parody joke kind of project, but about something we really love. So oh, Star Wars is really I, my first fandom ever. I didn't get to talk ever, about so. my gear earlier. So yeah. I, I, I use a Juno <laughs> DI, but uh, the... The main thing about that is the power pop that we play isn't particularly keyboard heavy. And so anyway, this was just, this began with, I like 80s new wave. Mm -hmm. I'm used as a keyboardist. Like that's just where all the stuff is happening. So me playing Final Countdown Mm -hmm. and AHA and you know, all those dorky things that you can play with the kind of keyboard that I have sort of beget us screwing around and and <laughs> and filking some lyrics and having this idea to to do some silly Star Wars stuff. Right. Well, so the th- three POs is just going to be the shakeups, basically with a different name. Yeah. Um, but still all age friendly, um, and we're going to be playing a lot of like '80s, big '80s songs, nice. but about Star Wars is what kind of what it. Yeah. Which of course is a big '80s thing in and of itself. Yeah. Um, and has a long tradition of respected and celebrated keyboardists. Um, <laughs> Max Rebo specifically. Indeed. I, in my head, he he survives what happens at Jabba's palace. I don't think there's any reason to believe he doesn't. So there's a there's fanfic. Yep. Actually, no. There's a there's an official comic. Well, wasn't he in the he Palpatone? Started, yeah, he, he the Palpatone. No, really. There's yeah. there's a comic. It's I love canon. Star Wars so much. No, it's, it, there's a comic. It's it's canon. After after that, he after joined that another band up. called the Palpatones. And then which, once the Emperor is killed, then they the, broke up. They broke up after the Emperor got killed, and then we don't know what happened to him after that. Oh. But the point is, we know he survived. I'm sure there'll be a Disney Plus series yeah. about him at some point. Yeah, give it time. And I will watch every episode. Um, right? Same. Uh, 
Do uh, we have a couple more minutes left? If anybody has any questions for the shakeups, feel free, and uh, I will try. I'll to give get you a, pop rocks. So, okay, yeah, we we'll have some <laughs> pop rocks. So um, I do have a microphone. I'm not for sure. asking a question. Um, so uh, okay, so uh, I, I do have a microphone. Somebody wants to pass oh, it back there. Because um, uh, it'd be just. Uh, he's got see. a spare. Uh, he's got a spare. Yeah, we got we got microphone. If you want to like, come up or <laughs> pass it back, thank you. So you guys were talking about how you were fans of Scooby Doo. Um, uh -huh. What is probably your favorite Scooby Doo show, movie? Like, what's the one that you go to uh, when you want to watch Scooby Doo? I mean, I have a soft spot for the original '69 series, Same. of course. <laughs> yeah, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, obviously there have been so many iterations. Um, the other favorite would be uh, Mystery Inc., which came mm -hmm. out around 2010, which is great. It sort of updates the original. The characters have the same personalities, but it's serialized, and the mysteries go across like a whole season, mm -hmm. and each character has like backstory and problems and stuff, so I absolutely love that show, too. It was arguably one of the first cartoons that really did that, and at least from what I saw, it was after that that stuff like Gravity Falls came out. Yes. Uh, I personally Ooh, had I love a lot Gravity of love Falls. for uh, Gravity yes. Falls is great. I personally had a lot of love for uh, uh, What's New Scooby Doo because it was around oh, the time yes. that I was born. Yep. Uh, and uh, Scooby Doo on Zombie Island. Yeah, that's, that's uh, commonly yeah. said to be Scooby the best Scooby Island. movie. Yeah. A, a, a lot of Would you of ever fans. cover that uh, the song from that movie, uh, Terror Time? Would you ever cover that? I one? would. Yeah, we actually talked uh, about it once. We, we just haven't I, gotten to it. We literally sat around and messed. We we riffed on it one day yeah. and just we just haven't finished it or something. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yep. ADD. <laughs> but yeah, we, we just love, we love all of Scooby-Doo, really, but I would say the, the original and definitely Mystery Inc. could be among the favorites. Can we just pass the mic over that way? Uh, thank you. Yeah, we're just going to... Claim your pop rocks at yes. some point. My question is, you guys say that you don't get paid very much for what you do, so what is it like? You just do it from your heart? Just something you do I mean, we, we do get paid, like for events like this, we get paid to perform, but it's mostly all, the money goes back into yeah, the band, it, like whether it's for equipment or travel expenses or that kind of, you know, so it's always it's like just breaking even, basically. kind of thing, or okay. then occasionally at the end of the year, if there's anything left in the kitty, so to speak, the band will vote on, hey, we need to buy a new speaker, or we need to, or something like that. Yeah. So and then the other question I had for you was, you said you were bringing up gummy bears, so <laughs> did you ever think about doing another, like, series on that? Because they stopped, like, Oh, ago. yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't, I mean, that, I think, is still owned by Disney, and there's not, mm -hmm. I mean... We, not much you guys can do. Not much we can do about it. Uh, the well, thing they is, own Star Wars now, too. That's so. true. Yeah. But it's different when you're writing a whole f fiction. Like, our, yeah. our... Ed did animate videos for the episodes of our fiction podcast. So, kind of, we have our own cartoon, because that's the dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> but we don't really have... And we would love it if somebody who's better than us would, yeah. would help us with that but probably we DreamWorks would, we're looking at you probably yeah. we would continue to if you're, we're going to bother to put that much energy in it we'd probably do an all original thing rather than yeah. to do something on a property that just because because awesome. that much energy and you get a cease and desist then you're really in trouble <laughs> so well thank you for answering we have my time, question you. we have time for one more I just want to hand it over there and then we'll, uh, we'll have to wrap it up after that but uh, please thank you for sharing yeah um, so my question is, are you, do you guys do any like Shira music from oh, Shira? Oh, we do. Oh, yeah. I love that cartoon. It's amazing. Yeah, we it love is. It. Are, yeah. You, are you referring to the original or the new Shira? Um, because we love them both. 
I'm going to go with the new because that's the only one the I've Netflix watched. one, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. yes. Yeah, actually, yeah, there was we, one in the 80s. It was terrible. Don't go back and so watch it. So we have it. a song leave on it. Leave it there. Okay. And if you loved it in the 80s, oh, I yeah. did too, but leave it there. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't revisit. It's hard okay. to rewatch. Yeah. Um, yeah, Just, but we actually have a song called uh, For the Honor of Grayskull. Um, which is on Meddling Kids, and we were going to perform that today, but Luisana sings it and she couldn't be here, so instead we're doing the He-Man version, which is by the power of Grayskull, which is the same I song, but with He-Man lyrics. I actually practiced it for like a week and was going to do it, and like, but my, my throat is all scratchy, and I gave up, and yeah, it's Yeah, so we do song. have a She-Ra song, and we would like to do more. Ooh, so, but you can find it on the interwebs. It's great. It's very cute. It's all princesses of power. Okay. Let's go ahead and pass the mic back up here. Um, okay, so... Uh, okay, we're going to get out your way. Well, 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 not quite yet. Yeah. Uh, so we, uh, so just real quick, if folks want to check out who you are, thank you so much. If folks want to check out what the shakeups do, all your music, all that stuff, where can they find you? Where can they uh, go? Where are you playing next? All that stuff. Uh, well, let's see. Our home base is theshakeups.net, or you can just look on YouTube or Facebook or Instagram. Um, I would say YouTube is a great place if you want to see cartoon videos cut together to sort of give context to the music. That's kind of what we use that for. Um, we're on Spotify. We're on Amazon. You know, um, but yeah, the shakeups.net be the main place. Um, as far as where we're playing, um, so next weekend we'll be at VoltCon for the fifth anniversary show um, in Indianapolis, and we'll be at ColossalCon. Actually, that's up this way. Yeah, uh, ColossalCon is Wisconsin Dells. Yeah, Wisconsin Dells. There's an anime convention called Colossal Con. It's yeah. at uh, Kalahari Resort, mm-hmm. which is an indoor water park, which is amazing. So the if you ever wanted to go water park to an anime convention in a water park, look it up. Colossal Con, amazing. It's we'll be playing there. Excited for somebody. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. it's. Uh, they open up the park in the evening for just the con goers, and it is the best thing ever in the history. For somebody as pale as me <laughs> to get to like ride all the water slides and not get sunburned, first time in my whole life. It was great. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Patrick O'Connor, Savannah, Savannah O'Connor, thank you so much. The shakeups. Let's give a round of applause. Thank you guys. Uh, that will do it for another episode of Serious Fun. And the shakeups are going to be back playing here on this three stage o'clock. at 3 o'clock. You don't want to miss it, folks. You owe it to yourself. Check it out. Go say hi to them. Uh, they've got uh, CDs and all that stuff out there. So if you didn't get a chance to ask a question, go do that. Um, thank you to the hardworking staff of the Brown County Library and the friends of the Brown County Library for making this event possible, especially Gillian Dawson and Andrea West. They're out there somewhere. Uh, as well as facilities manager Kurt Baylor for helping wire and set up all the audio today so you can hear everything. Libraries are so crucial, folks. They're so important to the fabric of our communities. So please, before you leave today, thank a librarian for all the work they do. Check out all the past episodes of Serious Fun. That's right. Yeah, library. Woo! Please pe- check out past episodes of Serious Fun, all the other Phoenix Studios shows at uwgb.edu slash podcasts on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you find podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a nice review when you do. They'll do it for this episode of Serious Fun. Thank you again to the shakeups, and please enjoy the rest of PopCon. We'll see you soon. childhood dream. It didn't really change me, my robot arm. You just listened to a Phoenix Studio production, the podcast network for the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. For more podcasts, please visit uwgb.edu forward slash podcasts.